Hello everyone and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Sawar Shah, one of the co-founders of PharmSense and a clinical pharmacist working in secondary care and a graduate entry medical student. Today's episode is titled A Day in the Life of an Advanced Pharmacist Practitioner. Today I am joined by Mina E, an advanced pharmacist practitioner working on the acute medical wards in a Northeast Trust. Minna is also a member of the Society of Acute Medicine and also a runner for the Tyne Bridge Harriers. So Minna is a senior pharmacist who has a role that is very much integrated within the multidisciplinary team. I am excited for this episode and hope everyone listening in gets a good insight into Minna's role and hopefully takes away some points of reflection and learning. So Minna, thank you for taking part today. Um, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Awa. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm, I know you've been very busy. I know you've been doing house renovations <laughs> and you've just come back for boxing. So thank you so much for doing this. So just for our listeners, Mina, sorry, um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so um, I am um, not from England. I have came to England about 10, 11 years ago now. Um, so for all the international students or um, graduates listening, um, so I'm still here employed in a full-time job um, and I went to Sunderland Uni actually, did four years of M-Farm, subsequently had a pre-reg training place in um, at the hospital I'm currently at. Um, I was a, a pharmacy dispenser um, on a weekend working mm. when I was a pharmacy student um, at the time as well, so they kind of already knew me. Um, before I applied for my pre-registration training year. But I think um, it's a bit different now where the oral system, you kind of can't introduce yourself to your potential future employers. But still, um, get the experience in um, when you can. Um, community hospital, um, it sends you a good chance in year. Because um, mm. obviously I've interviewed um, students in um, the oral program before and you can see the pharmacy students who have done placement who have worked a, a weekend pharmacy job are able to answer the questions um much better than someone say who who haven't had any pharmacy experience whatsoever it does stand you a good chance um so subsequently then i um, was employed as a band six um junior pharmacist rotational in the same hospital um, so that mm. happened for three years before I got a band seven um, specialist pharmacist role in emergency medicine. I knew I wanted to be in a kind of emergency acute medicine setting from first year of band six because it's always so busy. There's always something to do. Um, I mm. like being sick. Like it, it's a sink and swim um, situation. Um, I, I, I just like um, really like that. Um, mm. So then. I did that for a couple of months and um, I was really lucky at the time um, because two of the advanced pharmacist practitioners um, have got kind of a GP pharmacy job. Um, so they left the job vacant for some time and I had um, um, struggled to recruit a post for a little bit. And I kind of was at the time was told, oh, you're a bit too young to apply for the job. But I kind of showed them that um, my interest, my experience in the field um, and all the training, additional training that I have done for it. I spoke to the, the doctors and the, the consultant actually knew me very well because I've already expressed mm. my interest in the field from the start and they know me by my first name. So I think I don't know if my consultant has spoken to my bosses about them um, putting me through for the interview. And that's how I got the interview for the job. 
Um, so then I um, successfully in, got interviewed um, for an hour for for the band eight job uh, within a few months of being a band seven, um, and then became the youngest band eight in the department for a little bit. Um, so that was uh, one of the proudest achievements. Um, mm. And then I've been doing this job for two years now. Um, and absolutely mm. loving it um, because, like I said, it's what I wanted to do from the start. And it's still um, a developing role because in acute medicine, every day is different. The, the type of patients you see is different. And the responsibility mm. you take on um, every day or even every month is different. Um, yeah. So I think that's amazing because um, you've started off as a pre-reg in your current trust. And you've developed a lot and you've become a specialist band-aid pharmacist in the area that you're so passionate about, especially to be the sort of youngest band-aid in the department as well. Um, one thing um, I like to touch on as well, I Minute, mean, is I think as a pharmacist, sometimes we stick within pharmacy a lot. It's important to also network and liaise with the medical team, the nursing team, because look at yourself. Um, the emergency medicine consultants liked you and you you think that may have helped your application as well for the band-aid so I think for pharmacists it's very important to do what you did as well and sort of get that good relationships with other staff outside of pharmacy as well definitely um, yeah definitely it's an integrated role and um, you work on a ward I'd say my job 99% of the time I'm on the ward and the 1% I go down to pharmacy for the odd job um, so you kind of spend most of your time with the medical team, um, the nursing team, H- HCAs, the porters, the domestics, um, everyone yeah. really. Yeah, I think working in secondary care, we're looking that aspect, even as a myself as a newly um, junior pharmacist now, um, you we learn we can learn so much of different professions and it's as a pharmacist in hospital majority of your working life balance is pretty much with people outside of pharmacy because on the ward you you can be just the pharmacist yourself with the medics and the nurses and whatnot so um it's very it's very important to build these networks um so from your role you've mentioned it it does sound very much um multidisciplinary team working and it sounds like you embedded quite a lot within the multidisciplinary team um what do you think are the key benefits on your ward for yourself as a pharmacist to be integrated into the MDT um well if I kind of explain the structure of my working day that might yeah. kind of explain how we integrate in the team as such um so um so depending on how busy it is um, every day in acute medicine and how busy front of house, back of house is, if we're bed blocked, um, how many people are waiting in an emergency department to come through the door. Um, it just um, really varies in your workload and how many, the staffing level as well. Um, if we're short of junior doctors, if we are short of pharmacists. So mm. there, with us three of us um, in the same role that I'm in, we're all um, um, prescribers and we start at half seven in the morning every day. Um, so the okay. other two colleagues have been qualified way longer than I have with both with vast experiences um, and I'm whom I'm continuously learning from. They're really, really knowledgeable. Um, so the ward level service kind of covers between um, sort of half seven to eight o'clock at night, Monday to Friday. Mm. And on a weekend, we work eight till four, um, kind of one in nine with other um 
practitioners in the department as well. We don't do on calls, which is nice. Um, and mm. we work closely with our junior pharmacists in the ward. So we, we can't really function well in our roles without a junior pharmacist. And I'll explain mm. why later. Um, we also have an allocated pharmacy technician on the ward, which um, supplies critical medications and they do discharges and counsel patients before they leave the ward. Um, so then handover starts at half eight every day when a team arrives um, um, and it happens for about 30 minutes. And so we get to know all the patients that is on the ward currently and who's been post take, who's to see and who's coming in, anything urgent. Um, and depending on the number of consultants during the day, so there could be one, two or even three ward rounds going on at the same time. Um, so we have another um, team in the front of house, um, which is the frailty team. There's another mm. pharmacist dedicated to that team as well, who is also an independent prescriber, but employed by um, the care of the elderly team. So she's mm. kind of separate from, from um, us. That's funded by um, the acute medicine directorate. So... Mm. Um, then the handover, uh, there's another handover that happens at, at one o'clock um, to hand over to the afternoon consultant for an afternoon ward round. So when we arrive between half seven and kind of half eight, we'll be doing all the screening for the patients on the ward in terms of critical medications like is the VT prophylaxis prescribed? If someone's query PE, mm. are they on the accurate deltapyrin dose? We use deltapyrin in a trust. Um, so if anyone is insulin is due at 8 a.m. and um, have they had their breakfast? What are their BMs like? Are the insulin prescribed? Um, if someone's on a DKA protocol, um, is the fluids up to date? Um, is the potassium checked? If someone's on anti-epileptic drugs, um, that's due at 8 a.m. Are they prescribed? Is it a correct dose prescribed correctly? And regularly, um, we see missing regular medications or overnight, they can't confirm um, patients' regular medications mm. um, because the GP obviously are shut, the carers are asleep, and the patient might be confused and not brought the medications in. They can't tell you anything. Uh, and then obviously, there will be some medication queries handed over by the night team to, to us as well to follow up. So things like that, um, we're, we're dealing with kind of between half seven and half eight before the handover. Um, mm. So it kind of um, kind of omit the medication. Um, so medication omission and like mismedication is quite a big issue. Um, so mm. when you audit um, in a lot of um, previous or previous audits that um, were the ward are constantly um, missing critical medications. But because we're, we're there from half seven to screen this. So you kind of reduce that um, significantly. Um, mm. And with us being prescribers as well, and we can confirm with the patient and the carers around that time, we can just prescribe them so um, and they don't miss them. Obviously, we discuss it with the medical team as well, um, that um, mm. is this patient safe to, to start their uh, anti-epileptics again because, um, I don't know, maybe they overdosed on um, something else coming in. Are they concerned about a prolonged QTC? And then the doctors would go, no, it's fine. I, it, um, I'm happy for you to prescribe that, so things like that. So then mm. we do a ward round. Um, like I said, it could be one to three, um, depending on how many of us is in as well. Um, so during the ward round, we prescribe almost all the medications um, that is involved um, in the post-take plan. So the junior doctors will obviously come on the ward round as well with the consultant. So the junior doctors and the AM consultant will do the examination, the diagnosis, um, the management plan, ordering CT scans. They need to discuss with specialties and discuss with the radiology to order an MRI, etc. 
And so mm. then we focus on kind of the consultant goes, he looks a bit dehydrated. Can you put up an eight hourly um, saline over the next day? Um, can you also ensure um, the anti-epileptic is prescribed IV because they have a swallowing issue um, or just worried about aspiration, things like that. So it's up to me to look up, is there, is there a conversion? Because some of the anti-epileptics, mm. like we know, um, has a conversion. Um, yeah. So, and then I need to then discuss with the nurses. Um, so phenytoin um, is um, highly irritant and it needs to run into a micron filter and make sure you run it over a micron filter to prevent extravasation and what um, bag to put it in, how fast to run it in. So I have to find out all of that and tell the nursing mm. staff team. Um, and subsequently, um, after the ward round, um, so like I said, the junior doctors and the consultants kind of will focus on um, discussing with other specialties in terms of um, uh, scans and, and any surgical opinions needed, whereas I might be doing something like um, discuss with the hematology registrar whether someone's hydroxycarbamide needs to continue on admission. If yes, they need to be prescribed by the specialist um, registrars because they're the only people that could prescribe a non-EP. Um, and sometimes maybe I need to ring the microbiologist to um, discuss appropriate antibiotics for a very resistant UTI, um, or mm. I need to discuss with the diabetic specialist nurses in terms of how to better titrate this person's insulin because um, the HbA1c is 160. Um, that's come mm. back and they are on a minute dose of insulin. They are poorly controlled. So the things like that, they tend to get referred to kind of a to like a secondary opinion. Um, and I can help with that. Um, and it just re reduces the medical team's workload mm. throughout the day, really. And we work closely mm. together and we cross-check with each other what else is outstanding. So everybody's on track with mm. the jobs. Um, and like I said, we work closely with the nursing team as well in terms of for example, if there's syringe drivers that we put up, um, we check compatibilities yeah. and make sure they know what they're doing with kind of Alaris or McKinley drivers and mm. um, things like that, and kind of what things, what control drugs need to be ordered um, for a specific patient that's not brought it in. So, mm. um, so I think we do quite do quite a lot front of house. I've had um, feedback from our junior doctors who's rotated around the region as well and said that they've never known pharmacy service like it front of house um, mm. that has worked so integratedly with um, with kind of the medical and the nursing team. Um, so that mm. side, um, that's the medical and nursing team. So in terms of junior pharmacists on awards, so. Um, because um, if we get everything, the, the idea is if you get all the medications prescribed correctly front of house and then when they get transferred back of house, technically speaking, mm. every all the medication will be correct, like prescribed yeah, correctly. There will be less medication queries, less errors, um, hopefully, um, and smoother discharge process because you won't be waiting for a doctor to confirm, oh, this ADCAL is not prescribed. Should we restart mm. this? Oh, this indapamide, mm. it's not prescribed. So yeah. So things like that, we iron out in um, front of house um, and make an appropriate management plan. So the junior pharmacist back of house will know, um, oh, so Mina said that indapamide to hold for three days, restart it if uh, renal function recovers kind of thing. So there's like a mm. clear plan um, yeah. or like um, 
and, and, and with the junior pharmacists as well when they do medrex on a ward um, and they highlight certain issues like, like we, we might not necessarily think about um, because we're like busy with other jobs in the ward route and then you kind of kind of want to resolve it front of house before they get transferred back of house or even discharged for mm. GP to follow up um, and sometimes they bring up like queries about social um, as well so mm. they might have rang the daughter to confirm um, to get a collateral and um, found out oh the patient's actually been confused for so long and they're on 20 items and they're really and we're concerned of how he's been taking them at home. So then you kind of have to make a social plan as well and being um, put in your plan, like consider setting up a NOMA tray for the patient before they get discharged um, or mm. having district nurses going to house to give them the insulin because they haven't been doing the, it themselves really well. That's why the HbA1c is so high. So things like that. Mm. So it is a very integrated role. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that sounds amazing, Minna. Honestly, I've I've took so many notes and I think the way your trust is working is amazing um, and the role that you are doing is amazing. You've got so many roles and responsibilities and you're so integrated and they're conducting patient care. Um, I think it's so important to reiterate the point you've said and I think a lot of trusts are going more towards this system where in AMU they're medical division has um, invested heavily into a pharmacy workforce there mm. because it's so important I I there's so many times where people and patients down the line a couple of days in the high-risk meds haven't been prescribed mm. or the incorrect insulins and whatnot and I just want to reiterate what you said if you get things right up front of house so those working not working in secondary care front of house basically means when the patient's um, admitted into hospital if you get things correctly done at, at the start it makes transition of the patient care so much better throughout the full process especially when it comes to the discharge as well prescribe things correctly first time round, and it will definitely improve patient care and i think it's so important to have a pharmacist there in amu wards to get things right because so many times as a junior pharmacist working yourself through um this sort of banding system you know you would you would have seen that you would have seen patients with akis on medication that causes akis not being seized or stopped and it doesn't get picked up upon unless a pharmacist sees these things so it's so important i think to have pharmacists here at the forefront as well um and it's is is very good in terms of the hours you work as well at the half seven till 8 p.m um pharmacy covering that service i think it's very important as well um being there early in the morning making sure everything's correct so you've mentioned things about parkinson's medications we know how important it is that the correct parkinson's medications is prescribed and that it's prescribed on the correct time as well because of things like endorse effects is so important also things that you mentioned about missing antibiotics and omitted doses how how many times do we see omitted doses and i'm so pleased that you've said in the audit that you've done um recently um figures have been improved because it's so important to get these things right at the start um and i think you 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 guys must be doing an very amazing role especially if juniors are praising you because a lot of times we've got to understand um junior doctors that are starting out the new the learning so it's so important to have a pharmacist side by side with them to help train them up and help them get eased into um secondary care as well especially on a ward such as um the acute medical wards which is so fast-paced 
Um, one thing that I did like that you said as well, Minna, was how all the med- majority of the medications get prescribed by a pharmacist. Um, I know I read a recent study recently where pharmacists came out as the prescribers that do least errors as well. Um, myself, in my own experience as a saccharine care pharmacist, there's been a lot of times where things have been prescribed by doctors um, incorrectly or wrong dosages or all the regular medications were prescribed for a patient that's got AKI um, on CKD. And for instance, for R-ACE inhibitors, the nephroprotective in CKD. But as soon as a patient gets AKI, as a pharmacist, alarm bells ring in our head and we stop these medications. So I think it's very exciting what you're doing. And I think those that are listening in w- would have been a bit inspired by your role. I, I certainly think what you're doing is amazing. And I love how integrated you are and how you're referring to other teams as well, getting diabetic nurses involved, getting pain teams involved. It's so important to get diabetes teams to refer um, to be looking at these patients after a DKA. Um, and I think this is a culture that we should promote more, being embedded into the team and also making referrals to these specialists specialist teams when needed as well um so i think you're doing a very very good role there as well it is is good i think um, the role kind of is still very new um like i said um, Mm. i think it must be five or six year old and when when we got piloted in the first year it kind of is just a blank job description and if anyone else is as trust is thinking about starting um pharmacist um, roles front of house I do highly recommend it um, I have mm. um, tried to speak to other pharmacists in AMU um, and see um, what were we doing differently because you know in clinical pharmacy congress and kind of your RPS meetups and forums you kind of discuss your job roles and you kind of constantly want to expand your role more and see what can we do mm. more um, yeah I, I definitely recommend having pharmacists front of house um, um, in, in yeah. kind of anyone's is a front um amu yeah i bet you love that the fact that your role doesn't have any on calls as well that must be <laughs> that must be that must be beautiful as a secondary care pharmacist I not mean, having to do any on calls i wouldn't mind doing it but it is one of the perks of the job it is one of the perks. i guess um of course you're a senior pharmacist now but any junior pharmacist listen i think on calls are a important part of our development because we do learn a lot from on calls me myself i've learned so much from on calls just because you can get such a wide variety of things from mm-hmm. neonatal queries to elderly care to parkinson's um you get a lot of specialist questions and um i i, I see i always used to see it as a um tool of learning to be honest because I've learned so much on my own course and I think um it is good to have but of course you're at a senior level so you've done you've done all that sort of thing already before um so I know Mina you're very integrated into the uh, multidisciplinary team as you've said um I know some pharmacists sometimes um don't feel too confident being part of the MDT or being part of the ward rounds and whatnot. Um, I myself think it's so important to do just in terms of learning as well. There's been so much I've learned from being part of the MDT. You get a real understanding of clinical decision-making process when you see the patient face-to-face and look at the bloods with the consultants and see why the decisions have been made. As a pharmacist, there's only so much you can tell from reading notes and looking at blood. So I think it's so important if given the time, of course, and other service provisions have been met to be 
on the ward rounds and things like that. Um, what advice could you give for our more junior pharmacists, listen, how to get integrated a little bit more within the medical team and nursing team? Um, I kind of think as well, it depends on the setting and um, the staff mm. as well and how supportive or how welcoming your um, kind of medical and nursing team um, towards pharmacists are. Because, for example, um, or my ward, um, my consultants are very pro-pharmacy and my junior doctors yeah. know us by name, like they're very pro-pharmacy and they know what we do every day because we've been there from the start. Um, whereas if you're kind of a new ward and uh, trying to introduce a new pharmacist onto onto the ward kind of on a daily basis, you essentially just need to show what you kind of can yeah. provide to the, to the ward um, as level service. Um, so yeah. recently our um, kind of pediatric ward hadn't got a pharmacist for a very long time. And yeah. they did a pilot and they, they showed them kind of what we can provide, what knowledge we have and how integrated we can be. And then subsequently they um, stopped the pilot and suddenly the, the support service is not there anymore. And you mm. kind of don't know what you're missing until you, you kind of have a taste of it. Yeah. So, yeah, be, yeah. be very present on the ward and show um, what, what, you, what you know, how you can help. Be proactive as well. Don't just sit by the computer and stare yeah. at the screen don't stare at pieces of paper speak to people speak to patients mm. get to know your nursing team and um, get involved in the handover mm. um, get things in the handover even for example um so i always get um, um one of our nurses if they're handing someone over back of house to hand over medication details as well so they don't get missed even when they get transferred back of house so things like that um and mm. I mean, it is daunting when you're starting your career and if you if you don't really, um, you, you're finding your feet and if you have a team that's not really welcoming, you just have to, you just have to persist and be brave and, and yeah. like someone's got to start somewhere and speak to your seniors about it and how we can get more integrated essentially mm. and, um, and have very supportive staff colleagues to, to help you with that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that's some very good advice and, um, I think it's a style going forwards in the future when there is more funding into pharmacy services in secondary care. I think it will become a lot more MDT. Of course, a lot of times, just purely because of workload, it doesn't permit being on ward rounds and things like that for mm -hmm. the wards. But I think um, a bare minimum that we should all try do is attend the morning board rounds and yeah. just purely because you can highlight any issues you can figure out who's going then and there you can raise any issues um and it helps prioritize your workload for the day as well um so amu i i've always said amu is an amazing one you see everything you can see anything and everything on the amu and it's it's known as a ward that is very very much fast-paced and Normally, it tends to be the more experienced pharmacist on AMU. Um, you said you like the sort of emergency aspects of it, the wide range of conditions you see. Um, you, you talked about it either being sinking or swimming, really. And I think AMUs always, in my experience, have been really, really busy. Um, I know you do see everything, but what are the sort of common conditions that you would mainly see on an acute medical ward? So lately, um, I've been seeing a lot of lot of mental health patients. Um, mm. So post COVID, I think um, this is definitely a surge in kind of your overdoses, um, self harm, um, um, alcohol mm. excess. So we have a high population of 
alcohol-related admissions um, in the Northeast. Um, so people presenting with GI bleed, decompensated liver cirrhosis. Um, mm. So I had a few actually that relapsed during the pandemic um, when they had lost the face-to-face um, uh, meetings with the alcohol liaison, uh, like yeah. specialist nurses. Um, and um, the general, obviously, we don't, we don't really see them, but, you know, you're elderly with kind of yeah. all the confusion, dehydration, the frailty team tend to pick them up. Um, and also, I think lately we've been picking up loads of um, new diagnoses of cancer as well, because obviously people are still very being has- hesitant visiting healthcare settings in fear of catching COVID. Yeah. Um, so um, people have been kind of delaying or not um, presenting to their GPs or um, healthcare professional for a persisting problem. Um, new di- um, be- new diagnosis of diabetes as well. Obviously, with lockdown, mm. there's nothing you can do at home apart from eating. <laughs> um, yeah, so a lot of that as well. Um, yeah, and yeah, and um, respiratory problems are coming through at the door now um, with the weather mm. being, um, or changing a little bit. Mm. Yeah, it's just. So- yeah, so it's, it, for those that haven't worked in secondary care, um, AMU, you can get you can get anything and everything, as I mentioned before. Um, the conditions that you have mentioned as well, Mina, these sorts of conditions, it's so important to have a pharmacist on there as well, it's, especially when you talked about um, you know the alcohol-related disorders. A lot of patients with liver um, cirrhosis and patients that present decompensated, it's so important to have a pharmacist there because these sorts of patients there's so many medication changes that we need to make as well and it's so important to have a pharmacist input so um it's um really good to see all the different conditions so you mentioned how covid has sort of changed the presentations of what sort of patients are coming through i think it's it's quite sad really to hear that there's a lot more decompensation cases coming through purely because of of course in um the alcohol nurses it's a bit harder to get hold of them and it i think it's so important for people listening in i know we're pharmacists but i think there needs to be a lot more focus on the mental health side of things me myself i've worked in a gastro ward and i've seen how important mental health is in tackling these conditions and diseases you there's you can have medications that help with um alcohol misuse and things like that but you do need that mental health support there as well um to guide you through it um so in terms of the challenges of your role it can be a very difficult role as i mentioned before being an amu pharmacist what are some key challenges that you see day to day for yourself um so like you say um every day is different you don't really know what comes through the door sometimes it's just beyond your scope of what you've ever known um or mm. the conditions you see are just um i can just think of one recently where um a lady who was presented i mean i can't really talk a, a lot into detail to, to in fear of highlighting who who it actually is but the presentation mm. is so rare um where you just can like you can't provide any input almost in terms yeah. of their medication and it's multi-organ um, involvement. You kind of have to have multi-specialist um, involvement. So yeah. whenever there's um, a challenge, for example, in, I don't know, even in terms of a field or an organ involved, um, I find that there's always a specialist you can ask or um, there's mm. always someone you can ring that might, who, 
know the answer who could help um so i think it is important if if, if you have a challenge or if yeah. you you're stuck on something to know who to ring or know when to ring yeah. um it, it is critical as well when you're front of house and um, because this kind of just about stabilized from emergency department and you're the ward post kind of within 24 48 hours of the them being hemodynamically stable so you have to kind of react to vital signs yeah. and kind of um, bloods urgently gases get them quickly done as well and, and respond to them in time because any delays it can be detrimental um so and then so like i say you know you need to know your resources so um i have a tab of resources that i keep in my email and my um folder at uh, my work computer as well mm. if i need to look up any information that i'm not familiar with it's it's just there mm. and i know i'm familiarizing myself with the intranet links as well in, in policies where to find mm. things that i need information that i need whereas like if you're still starting off as a junior you might take i don't know 20 30 minutes longer than i do to, in terms of knowing if the policy even exists or to find mm. what the policy is so yeah i would i would say any challenges i face um i would i would probably consult with my colleagues as well or almost all the time um i would if i'm not sure about something i'll go hey what do you think about this and then almost mm. certainly someone will provide an answer that you've probably mm. never thought about um so yeah i always discuss don't assume um check mm. everything yeah i think we're lucky in that regards in secondary care because we have got other pharmacists around that mm. we can bleep or contact and even um other professions as well you can always ask a doctor you can always ask a specialist yeah. nurse or physio or dietitian um, so we are lucky because we've got so many different people we can contact or refer to um, for example referring to hematology or oncology there's so many different avenues we can get advice and support and from my experience everyone's willing to help um, there are times, of course, where, for example, a gastro reg or hematology reg might be busy, but they are always willing to help um, usually. And as a junior pharmacist, I think it's important knowing when to talk to your senior pharmacist for advice and support. And in my experience anyway, uh, whenever I've asked a fellow band six pharmacist or a more senior pharmacist, they've always stopped what they're doing if possible and helped me out. Um, and you can always learn a lot as well. For example, what you said, Mina, for something that may take me 20 minutes to find out and figure out, you might know it like the top of your head. So sometimes after knowing where to look and you still can't find the information, I think it is important to um, ask a senior for more advice. Um, and also it's a very good tip that you said as well, having tabs of commonly used guidelines that mm -hmm. you use and commonly used resources because you have to be efficient especially in your working environment um, on amu so for example if you need um a certain for example you, you talked about fluids and so perioperative drug handbook and sort of compatibility um of fluids and things like that if you have a tab of that is very easy and efficient to have um up on your tabs and i think it's something um junior pharmacists should do as well of the commonly used resources to use for example i remember i um newt i always used to have that bookmarked as well because as a pharmacist a lot of times you're doing um formulation changes of medications mm -hmm. aren't you yep um you must know newt like the back of your hands now the amount you must have used it on amu 
um, I know the passwords. Way. I know passwords on, on, on my head. I know t- passwords to Talkspace, to Newt, yeah. to Medicines Complete. But um, obviously, yeah. I, I don't store like knowledge in my head. I just store passwords and to find knowledge, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And of course, guys, you always should always look at the resources regular to see if there's been any changes or mm-hmm. um, anything like that as well. So um, COVID has... Um, it's affected everywhere. You've mentioned a little bit about um, how it's affected the conditions um, in the acute medical ward. But how about your working practice itself? For example, PPE and things like that. Has it? What What have you seen that is different? Yourself as a pharmacist in the acute medical wards has changed with COVID. Um, so in terms of seeing patients, um, so each individual patient, you see, you change your kind of your gloves, your apron, um, mm. but you wear a mask throughout the whole day anyway. Um, so that's being kept on um, until I, I kind of change mine kind of twice a day if I can, like morning and night, mm. and I keep mine on um, as much as I can. Um, and I don't um, deal with patients with an aerosol genera- um, generating procedure. So I don't need to be kind of in the, the full gown um, with, with the goggles. But when I am um, during the pandemic, I was covering the respiratory assessment unit as well, which is patients that's query COVID that's coming through. So then I was in a more like visors, your goggles and everything and seeing mm. all these positive patients coming through. Um, it's not bad when you get used to it. I don't think it's any different. Yeah. Um, I don't thinking about the environment. It's really bad. Mm. So, in if, if I can avoid wearing kind of avoid touching things, I would avoid wearing like a kind of a plastic apron if I can. Just for mm. thinking about the environment, being practical. Um, but yeah. obviously, if you do need to touch the bed, the the medication, the patient, even. Um, but yeah, mm. you you would have the PPE available to you. Yeah, I think I think a huge change is um, for yourself. It might be a bit different, Minna, but hospital offices. Let's be honest, they're tiny, aren't they? We were mm. used to fitting uh, around thirty people in an office, sat on the chair, sat on the table, sat on the printers to make space. And of course, that's <laughs> changed now as well. So that's one one thing I've noticed that has changed. Um, what do you love about your role? What 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 would you say to pharmacists that are interested in? emergency medicine to work in the acute medical wards what do you love and what would you say to pharmacists that do want to work in this field I think it's very much a personality thing for me so Mm. I don't like um kind of being a very niche specialist pharmacist in in an area where some people are very excellent in their job and um, I have specialist pharmacists in my um, department as well very very good in their area and who I consult Mm. with uh, most of the time but I kind of identified from the start that I, I would like to be a generalist and, and rather than a specialist. So if you are a person who wants to focus on an area of specialty and go for that and be very, very excellent in your field, then mm. I don't think emergency is for you. And also yeah. if you're a person who doesn't really like um, much change, you like a, a certain mm. um, um, pattern to your day every day, you know what you're coming into kind of thing, um, so AMU probably is a, will be a challenge for you um, mm. and it, it does get repetitive as well in terms of doing med rec and kind of speaking to patients about the same thing um, but you do gain experience from it and you know better if not like you would know it like the back of your hand on what 
to do um, when this similar presentation come in again in in kind of the future. Um, mm. So like um, so like I said, like how closely we work in in terms of the MBT as well. I like being able to um, speak to um, the doctors and uh, consultant during the ward round and get things changed front of house. And I know that this will be correct when it gets back of house, hopefully, and um, mm. making that management plan um, that things doesn't get missed. So and mm. kind of making social plans as well in terms of. So I like to put things um, in red. Um, please, mm. on this charge, um, inform GP to review um, X, Y and Z patient said that they haven't been taking ferrous sulfate for three months now please review um bloods mm. um, as a current full blood count say it's fine so we've stopped this drug um please review bloods in the future if if this drops again mm. so things like that um so i like to kind of look at everything make a plan um and also kind of uh, make a little diagnosis yourself as well so sometimes there yeah. might be things medication related that the medical team doesn't necessarily think about so um, yeah. like drug toxicities, adverse reactions, or when you find out from a med rec um, that someone has not been taking the antihypertensive for like three weeks now, that's why they came with a systolic of 220. Whereas like, mm. um, whereas the doctors might have just reconciled all the medication on the GP list and added another antihypertensive and another one just to get the mm. blood pressure down. But in fact, they haven't been taking it in the first place. There's no yeah. need to add a new drug you just need to establish them and get them compliant of the current drug and establish uh, we'll kind of find out why they're not um wanting to take the drug in the first place so things like that mm. um um playing a bit detective work um during a mm. uh, management process as well yeah i think i think emergency medicine um is amazing for a pharmacy i think you learn tons you'll see loads of different things um, I, I love the point that you raised about appropriate documentation um, on discharge for primary care teams as well. Um, it is so important that we do do this for our primary care teams, especially now a lot of pharmacists are handling with discharge letters. And we know in secondary care, we do so many different medication changes and we need to make um, it as easy as possible for um our colleagues in primary care to know why we've made these changes for example we may stop nephrotoxic drugs and um, we may stop diuretics but they may need to be reintroduced again later down the line after using these have been redone so it's so important for that documentation um i'll be honest as a pharmacist myself um within secondary care i love getting a patient from um a fa that has been seen by uh prescribing pharmacists on amu it is so much easier and all the medications have been sorted it makes your life as a band six so if you're not a prescriber so much easier and it makes the patient flow and transition easier and you see this in the patient care and you see it in the bloods um it does really help with the management of the patient so i think um mina yourself and your colleagues are you're doing a very very important role and i think funding needs to be put into this place for all the trusts down the country because not only does it improve patient care but it also makes um it easier for other pharmacy colleagues down the line um and it also helps with discharge as well um so mina you've talked quite a lot about your sort of role within secondary care and i think it is something that will definitely inspire a lot of pharmacists and pre-regs and students listening in um you also locum um as well 
Um, so could you tell us a little bit about um, how often you locum and um, where do you usually locum? Um, well, funny story is um, I've booked my first locum shift day one being mm. on the GPHC mm-hmm. register without even knowing with, whether I'm going to be on a register the night before as well. Because is that first, was it first of August that year? year yeah. In intake of um, the new pharmacist on the register. So yeah. I am um, been having a regular kind of Friday night shift on top of my band six pharmacist job um, mm. um, since, well, forever until maybe I had my band eight job. I kind of um, stopped doing that um, and then just pop in every now and again when they're desperate for, for a member of staff. So initially I was doing kind of the big multiple, some independence, but I mm. narrowed it down to just one regular pharmacy because I get on with the dispensers um, there really well. I got on with the manager mm. at the time who, who um, kind of um, recruited me um, to do the kind of regular Friday night shift. And um, there's just the team is so well capable. Um, so mm. you know some certain pharmacies where you walk in and it's just a mess and the, the, the staff mm. might refer to the pharmacist for a question every two minutes, whereas my dispensers are all very clued up, very experienced, and they kind of um, will un- try and answer the questions over the counter themselves yeah. before referring to you. And it's a little mm. store as well that I work in, so we don't have um, Nomad Trace at all, um, and we don't have many kind of blue script patients. So it's a nice little shift that um, I got myself in. Um, I like the kind of primary care side of things. To, just keep mm. a hand in because it, you can kind of relate that into your job in secondary care as well. If you know mm. how primary care um, services, um, like how it works. Um, for example, I don't know um, if something is out of stock in community for ages, but you've been getting it in hospital because we have, uh, contracts are different in terms of procurement mm. with NHS hospitals and community. And the availability of drug in hospital, as you know, um, we can pre- prescribe almost anything. Whereas in community, it might come from a different company. It might take certain days to come. It's troublesome for the mm. patient. So things like that um, you can consider um, only if you know how it works in primary care. Um, yeah. In terms of um, kind of, well, I I like, it's almost like emergency medicine. Um, working yeah. in um, community pharmacy where you don't know what comes through the door sometimes. Uh, mm. So someone might come up with a rash, a, a weird presentation, symptoms that have been happening over weeks, and you're trying to um, figure out what's wrong with them. Um, and based mm. on your fa- your knowledge uh, and what you've seen front of house in the hospital, you're trying to relate. And lucky for mm. me as well, I have a WhatsApp group with um, the junior doctors and my consultants. So if I have a very hard and urgent question, I can just ping a message to them and be like, hey, mm. I've got this. What do you think? Um, and then they will make some suggestions and then for me to then tell the patient. So things like that. Mm. Um, and, and you learn a lot as well um, in, in terms of um, how people present and how they can end up in hospital afterwards. And I, um, I have seen a patient before with kind of what was it she came in and um we really worried about these rashes um that was yeah. on her chest and I kind of looked at them and I was like that's not really rashes that's spider nevi like um mm-hmm. you you get them when you have kind of liver bad liver failure and that's one of the, the symptoms you get so I kind of asked her oh um have you had any trouble with your liver actually and she was like oh yeah how did you know 
And I kind of mm. explained, well, the rashes are related kind of to your liver condition. Maybe you need to speak to your GP about altering your truth or get your blood test done if you haven't had one done recently. Um, and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So so things like mm. that you not necessarily know if you have, don't work in secondary yeah. care and scratching your head thinking, oh, what, what, what are these weird rashes looking things? Mm. Um, and um things like well i don't deal with little humans so i'm terrified when someone yeah. presents me with their children um, yeah. with um, minor ailments um i i am limited in terms of that um so um uh, just like you you don't know the different clientele in terms of community and hospital um yeah. and you kind of link them somehow I think one thing that's really sad currently in community pharmacy is you can't document an interaction you've had yeah. with a patient. That would be so yeah. useful if I had that information mm. in terms of them coming into hospital. Your, yeah. your regular purchases of the Nurofen Plus, the Cocodamols, the sleep aids and mm. things like that, or like um, re- recurrent salbutamol emergency supplies. If I can yeah. ping a message on the patient profile to, to doctors or in mm. in GPs or secondary care um, chest team, they can go, ah, mm. that's why, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's I think I can relate to a lot of things you said, Mina, because um, I I also do um, the locum community pharmacy shifts here and there as well, and I think my knowledge, what I've seen, observed on the wards it does really help in community pharmacy because when you talk to patients about the conditions and the diseases and um, things such as that it really helps having that experience and witnessing clinical decision making processes in secondary care and you can talk to them um, more about these things as well within the community pharmacy setting Um, I have to agree with you there about the documentation and also the access uh, accessibility of resources within community pharmacy as well mm. i would personally love if community pharmacy um was developed and funding did get put into place for community pharmacies to have access to blood to have access of the past medical history Absolutely. of the patient nodes read and um write right access. access um yeah for example a lot of times mina you'll see a prescription a, it'll have a couple of different medications and you have to basically figure out or infirm what conditions the patient have for example you yourself in secondary care um if you if if on the drug chart there was naproxen um, written on there you would never sign off that written approxim as clinically checked without checking the use and ease or checking the past medical history i would never sign off that naproxen without checking the kidney function first so i've seen myself and you you will see a lot more being on amu a lot of medications are appropriate for the patient and these things can be spotted in community more if community pharmacists did have access and the resources to bloods past medical history and things like that Mm -hmm. because we've seen it we've seen it how many times have you seen people on high dose NSAIDs um uh come in and they've got ckd and you're thinking what has happened here how 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 have they been on high dose NSAIDs all this time and they've got chronic kidney disease it's not appropriate at all or things like long-term ppis high doses of them we need that documentation there we need that read and write access so we can appropriately clinical check and prevent admissions into secondary care um, and I think that is something that definitely in the future needs to be changed and in, um, money invested into um, for it to happen. And I think it will definitely improve patient care as well. Um, how about yourself? What do you think? 
I think um, we have got a lot of colleagues in GP pharmacy practices working as yeah. well. And I would hope in some scope of their clinical work, they will be checking these kind of patients that we've just mentioned as well. Um, so mm. the kind of um, obviously the GP will be checking them um, in before when they reauthorize the scripts. But um, someone else down the line might have a look at the number of repeats they've had and go, hey, let's have a look at the bloods um, or a blood pressure for a second and go, oh. Um, if there's an intervention to be done, then they can ping it back mm. to the doctors um, who might be very, very busy and, and just reauthorize it or repeat. Um, yeah. You know, and so it's both ways, really. And people could pick yeah. up um, these jobs in um, kind of community pharmacy or we have our GP pharmacies colleagues that um, can pick yeah. them up as well. So the more funding in community, the better to prevent yeah, hospital definitely. admission. Yeah, and I think my biggest um, bugbear in um, community at times is I think we're looking in secondary care, we've got a query or we need to discuss with a prescriber. They sat right next to you or they stood right next to you. Whereas in community at times, I'm stood on the phone for over half an hour just trying to get through to the surgery, which sometimes is very frustrating and Mm -hmm. you've got 20 other things to do. So I think hopefully there's a lot more funding and development into that and um, I know the health secretary is um, really big on community pharmacy. So um, let's hope they get the funding and support they need. Because from secondary care, I think community pharmacy teams have done amazing throughout COVID. They've had such a hard time. And um, let's hope it it gets appreciated and funding does go into community pharmacy. Yeah. So, um, So you're a senior pharmacist. Um, I know that you mentor a band six as well. So a lot of our listeners today will be sort of final year MFARM students. They'll be pre-regis or they might be newly qualified pharmacists. So what advice would you give um, from someone with so much experience as yourself? Um, what would be your top tips for anyone listening in? Um, top tips as in to get uh, into the emergency field or just in just in general to to be a to be a secondary care pharmacist what would your biggest tips and advice be i mean if you're a student then i would say good luck in studying for finals you need to pass that exam first um during yeah. pre-reg year as well i think it is a very there's no other year like it it's a kind of mm. no obligation you i mean you are employed but it is the time to learn and um, yeah. especially if you work in secondary care as well, ask, just ask anyone, anything. Yeah. Don't be afraid of looking stupid. Um, I still mm. ask stupid questions sometimes um, to my colleagues, to, to, to the team. And because I want to know the answer for definite, I don't want to leave it to chances. I don't want to be um, looking clever. Yeah. Um, what does that get me that can cause patient harm? So always ask um, if you're not sure about something and don't assume. Um, mm. And always be inquisitive proactive as well rather than yeah. passive don't let work come to you go look for work mm. um because yeah. you, can, you can easily get by the day sitting by the computer and then when your discharges are done that's you done but no mm. like like look for work look up guidelines look it up to date in terms of a medical condition you've never heard of before and how that links to the management plan how did they come up with this medical management plan is there something else mm. that could be done? Is there a differential diagnosis? So just, I think I'm interested in in kind of yeah. the patient, the medical conditions and how it relates to the medication subsequently prescribed. So um, always be inquisitive, I think, um, in, if you are interested in kind of secondary care because it, 
a patient is not just one organ. A patient is multiple organs and they all are linked. Yeah. Um, so you mm. kind of have to look at everything holistically as well. Um, yeah. And know your resources really well as well. Like you, it's well and good having all the knowledge you learn from university, but I think there's a mm. huge chunk of resources that are not um, available to you until when you, you start your job. So mm. um, speak to your MI pharmacist, speak to your specialist pharmacist in terms of where to look things up. Um, so I think, in my opinion, a good pharmacist is mm. not someone who knows everything on top of a head. Yeah, great, you're clever if you know everything on yeah. top of a head. But I think a good pharmacist is knowing where to find the information and how to put that into practice. So yeah, no, like um, very, very good in knowing where to find your information. That's because there's so va- so many vast, like so vast information available out there that many people have done mm. good work for. People have done PhD on them. Um, yeah, um, it's just knowing what is out there and knowing how yeah. to find them, uh, and just be mm. interested to to find them. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's some very very good advice, especially um about the re- resources and having support pages because we we. We can't know everything, Um, especially in secondary care. There's so many different specialist things. And a key part of our roles as pharmacists is being the one that knows where to look for the information and whether or not that information is credible and if it would help the patient as well. So um, it's it's a very good thing you said, especially for people starting off as newly qualified pharmacists, um, especially within secondary care. There's going to be so many times where you really won't know the answer or if a doctor or a specialist nurse asks you a question, you won't know. But just say, just say, um, I'm not too sure, but I, I do think I know where to look, so I'll get back to you. So I think it's very good that you did mention um, that we won't know everything and it is important to know where to look for resources and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Minna, um, I've, I, I think you done an amazing job in sharing your role what you do i think a lot of people will be really impressed by the work you are doing and i myself am very impressed and i think you need to keep doing what you're doing and share your role a lot more because i have been i'm thoroughly impressed how integrated you are the sort of things that you are doing and i definitely know a patient is lucky to have gone be screened by yourself and I know that um, it's definitely something that's the way forward for pharmacy as well. Pharmacy has been an integral part of the team um, in a role such as yours. So thank you so much for sharing your role. Thank you for all the tips and guidance that you've gave. I've learned a lot myself as well. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for having me. If anyone wanted any advice or wanted to contact you, what would be the best way to reach you? Um I'm quite active on Twitter, so Twitter yeah. is the one platform that I'm always on. Um, I'm happy for anyone to email me, like feel free to email me, um, yeah. anything and everything, like I say, um, mm. and just not even just work-related, anything life-related. Um, I might be interested in having a good chat about, I don't know, running, yeah. exercising, anything. Mm. So... Thank you for that, uh, Mina. I think you are inspirational, especially um, the the fact that um, you've um, you've come from abroad. You've um, done very well here. Um, the role that you're doing and the fact that you're willing to help and share your knowledge with others as well. So thank you once again for joining um, this 
um, podcast and sharing your role. Thank um, you. So for those listening in, thank you for listening. I'm planning to do a lot more podcasts such as this with the team, getting specialist pharmacists on, pharmacists in different sorts of specialities, um, different fields such as academia, primary care, prison pharmacy and things such as industry. So if you'd like to hear more or you'd like some more further podcasts, please let us know. If there's any room for improvement as well, please um, contact our team because we're always looking to improve. So please subscribe and follow us on our social media platforms for the latest podcasts as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everyone.